Well, amen. Good morning, everyone. My name is uh, Eric Hansen, one of the pastors here. Really glad that I get to see you here today on this uh, first Sunday after Easter Sunday. And before I get started, I just want to give you an important count. If you were with us on uh, Easter Sunday, I, I shared this uh, little part of my life, my little scooter driving life. And one of the things that I said to you is I am so, I want to be in, right? And so I'm, I'm on this little scooter and, uh, you know, I want the motorcycle riders to sort of do this when I go by. I don't know if you, they do this to other cool people. <laughs> and uh, here's what happened this week. I want to give you, like, this is radical news for me. Four times I got the sign. Come on. Something's happening in Boulder, friends. Something beautiful is happening in Boulder. But I sort of used that story last week to sort of tell this story about how uh, that little joyful feeling has not even come close to what it's like to be included in the story of Jesus Christ and his resurrection, right? So I, uh, one little thing I've been thinking about this week. Every time I got the sign, I was so shocked and I was so unready, I didn't give it back. <laughs> now that's a thing and we'll work on that. We'll work on that. But it got me to thinking, friends, when Jesus Christ has extended the invitation to include you and you know it, don't miss out. Don't let the opportunity pass you by. Okay? It's a simple, small little thing to say yes and see what might unfold from that. Today, we, uh, we start a new series, Seed to City. It's a study on the book of Revelation. And um, some people think I'm crazy for trying this. It's been at least 10 years, well before I was here as your pastor, that this church last had an actual series as a study on the book of Revelation. Many of us are really nervous to approach and read and understand this book. Can I just ask you, when was the last time you read this book in its entirety? When was the last time you did it? Last year, nice job. There's always a couple. I love it. That's not the case for most of us. Most of us, we, we come to the reading of Revelation with a little bit of nervousness. In fact, I want you to know, if that's you, you're not alone. John Calvin wrote a commentary on every book of the Bible, except Revelation. It made him nervous, too. So when we read Revelation, usually there's one of two ways we think about it that make us sort of fearful. The, the first way is, is we've been taught over time that the, the book of Revelation is sort of like this spiritual crystal ball. And it's supposed to somehow like decode all the future events that we don't know about yet. Right? But we read it, it doesn't really feel like it's like spiritual journalism to us in that way. In fact, what we seem to know actually is anyone who has ever said, I know exactly what's happening here. I know exactly how to read this. I know exactly the day when Christ will return in his glory and bring the city of God. That person's been wrong. Every time. 
The most recent that I can remember is May 21st, 2011. The end is coming. And here we are. So we're like, well, gosh, if, if they can't understand it, maybe I, maybe I can't either. But sometimes we know better than that. We know it's not just sort of like spitting out predictions as much as we want it to, as much as we're prone to that. How many of you, if those of you who have learned how to take the Bible seriously, have wondered aloud at some point in your life, I wonder if that person is the Antichrist? Yeah. It's not a, sort of this little predictive spiritual computer thing. But even if we know that, sometimes we read it and it feels really, really, uh, the, the imagery in it, the pictures in it, the, what happens in it feels really complicated and, and hard for us. It's, it seems to speak a language that we don't naturally or easily speak now, right? In the pages of Revelation, as we go through this whole series, there's going to be a red dragon, there's going to be a really important, big, pregnant woman. There's going to be four horsemen coming down from the sky. Kings are going to gather for battle. There's this looming and persistent evil. I mean, doesn't that sound a little bit more like Game of Thrones than the Bible? Doesn't it? How are we supposed to understand this as, as part of God's Word? And so we decide we're not going to approach it as God's Word. But I want to tell you something. Even John Calvin, who never wrote a word about Revelation and commentary, he knew that this is the climax, the apex, the high point of the entire New Testament. He knew that this is what actually is the keystone that, that holds it all together and pulls us into a hopeful and, and joyful future. What if the book of Revelation is, is more than just a crystal ball and an impossible set of images for us to understand? What if it's more than that? British uh, theologian Richard Bauckham, he wrote uh, probably the definitive commentary on Romans, in the, or pardon me, in Revelation uh, in the 20th century, and this is what he said. The Apocalypse of John is a work of immense learning, astonishingly meticulous literary artistry. The Old Testament is quoted almost 300 times. Remarkable, creative imagination. Radical political critique and profound theology. And his point is, we can learn this. We can do this. And it's worth it. We don't have to set aside the, the book of Revelation because we've, we've hooked ourselves into the myth that it's impossible to understand. It's work. But we can do this. And we should want to do this. The, the promise in Revelation itself should, should pull us and prompt us to want to seek, to dive in and understand this. This is from uh, verse 3 of today's chapter of Revelation. This is what um, is promised. I love this. This is why we want to do this. Verse 3. 
Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. Yes, that's me. (laughs) And blessed are those who hear it and and take to heart what is written in it because the time is near. Have you ever thought of Revelation as a book of blessing? God has given us this picture, this book, this this apocalypse. We'll talk about that in a second. To bless you. To strengthen you. To keep you on the right road in the midst of the circumstances and conflict and difficulty that all of us are inevitably going to encounter in our lives. This is a book of blessing and a book of promise. I know your bright, shiny new bulletins say, I'm going to read, uh, we're going to read today verses 9 through 20. We're not. We're going to read verses 1 through 11. So feel free to follow along. Revelation, if you're looking in the Bible in front of you, is the last book of the Bible. The revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to a servant, John, who testified to everything he saw, that is, the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it, because the time is near. John, this is a letter, might not have ever known that, to the seven churches in the province of Asia, Grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits before his throne and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, the ruler of the kings of the earth. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father, to him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Look, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all peoples on earth will mourn because of him. And so shall it be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus, I was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. Patmos was a prison island. On the Lord's day, I was in the Spirit, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet which said, write on a scroll what you see, send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. Well, Lord, we are stepping forward in faith and expectation. We confess to you as pastor and as people, that we have not spent the time with this book that we ought. 
I pray, Lord, now that we've come to it, would you teach us? Would you pick open the calloused heart that I have and that we have? And would you show us the way of wisdom? Would we see the way of truth? Would we rejoice in the victory of Jesus Christ? Help us. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. You are our Lord, Rock, and Redeemer. And all God's people said, Amen. Okay, so what I'd like to talk about today, in light of everything I've already have said, is how should we be reading the book of Revelation? How should we be um, starting this apocalypse? What are the things, how should we think about stepping into this book and seeking to, to read it carefully and without fear and eagerness for what are on its pages? And I just have a couple things I want to say about that. So today is really just how do we go about, how will we seek to go about reading this in an ongoing way over the last, or pardon me, over the next several weeks and months? Here's the first thing I want to say to you. As we seek to read, start this apocalypse, keep coming back to the beginning. Keep coming back to the beginning. Our NIV says that uh, this is a revelation from Jesus Christ, but more accurately, it's actually a revelation of Jesus Christ. And what that means is, first and foremost, this is both a letter that is from Jesus, ultimately, but also about Jesus, ultimately. The book of Revelation is preoccupied with giving us a new, fresh, deep understanding of Jesus Christ. That is the preoccupation of the book of Revelation. So many, like this, seeking to give us this gallery of images to understand a little bit more about his character and his person and his intent. We even see it in just these opening lines of what we've looked at today. Jesus is coming. He's on the way. There's an urgency about him. He's, he wants to be involved in your life and in our life. He loves us. This is not a letter of terror, but a letter of assurance. He says the time is near, like he, like he did in Mark chapter 115 when he said, Jesus himself said, repent and believe the good news. The kingdom of God is near. He says it again here. It's, it's near in that sort of way. It's, it's, it's almost reachable. It's understandable. It's coming. And in a word of grace and a word of hope, Jesus says, I am the firstborn among the dead. I lead the parade because of what I've done, how I've conquered death. I, I'm now in front of a giant, beautiful parade of those who have trusted my work and are also born from among the dead. Death had no hold on them because death had no hold on Christ. He's first, not only, among those who have been born from the dead. He is the ruler of the king's of the earth. 
Rebel kings will continue. Rebellious skirmishes and violence and confusing death and destruction will be part of the story, but he is the ruler of the kings of the earth. That story is not the only story, that violence. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the wellspring and the promise. All of these are, are more are meant to sort of lay out this extraordinary, multifaceted understanding of who Jesus is. We'll see more along the way. At, at some point, we'll see this man who's giant and imposing and standing, and there's a sword coming out of his mouth. It's Jesus. We see this other picture of, of a lamb on a throne, and he's bloody, and it's Jesus. You see, as we seek to understand Revelation, it's going to be important to keep on coming back to the beginning. This is about and of Jesus Christ. That's what it's about. It is not about the Armageddon. It is not. It is not about the location, place, or timing of the final battle. In fact, can I just, I'm going to tell you how the final happens right now. It's in the Bible. It's right here in Revelation. Are you ready? The kings are going to sort of gather up, and they're getting ready for this huge battle. And then do you know what happens? Jesus shows up, and it's over. Done. And do you know why? Because Jesus is the king of the rulers of the earth. When they gather for what they think of as the final battle, what they really are doing is, is gathering up to lay down their swords in light of the king. And the good news is, friends, then we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to worry about the future or what might happen to us. The book of Revelation is sort of like, um, like light on a diamond. giving us all these new facets of, of what it, Jesus is really like. When Amy and I were um, newly engaged, I gave her this very small ring, and she said yes. And she put this ring on her finger, and uh, not too long after that, she's driving down the freeway on, uh, on Interstate on I-90 uh, in the Seattle area, She's driving, it's in the afternoon, so the sun, she's kind of driving towards the sun, and it's like, hits her ring, and the sun just splashes and sparkles all over the top of the roof of her car. She's like, ooh. And almost gets in an accident. Yeah. But friends, we, first of all, don't read the Bible when you're driving. But secondly, the awe at the many splendor of light that comes from Jesus Christ ought to cause us to pause and go, ooh. This is first and foremost about Jesus Christ. And when you lose sight of that, you're not sure what's actually happening here, go back to the beginning and reread this section. Christ shows up in the book of Revelation 
over and over and over and over again. That's the point, actually. More than anything else, go back to the beginning and look for Jesus. Second, can I just ask you to redefine the word apocalypse as you read this book? Apocalypse now is often sort of used like in, like in place of the word cataclysm or catastrophe or um, something really big and scary. The snowpocalypse, the windpocalypse, the traffic-pocalypse of 5 p.m. in Boulder. It's cataclysmic. But that actually is not actually what's happening here. So the word, that actually is the way the word is now apocalypse, is used and defined. That's proper English. But we're talking about the book of Revelation. The way the word apocalypsis is actually defined at the beginning was, was not a cataclysm, but an unveiling. As you read Revelation, what I want you to remember is that this is a book actually where, where God is, in His wisdom, seeking to peel back the veil for us, re- remove some of the barriers of confusion for us so we can see something else beyond what is simply obvious and right in front of us. This is not a story that is about the, uh, the cataclysm. It is not a story of the violence of the end of days. This book of Revelation is not the horror movie of the New Testament. It's something else. It is God in His mercy pulling back the veil, revealing, hence revelation, revealing things that aren't going to be obvious to us without Him showing them to us. So the book of Revelation is not intended to scare us intended to encourage us, to show us that God and His sovereignty is coming, that the multiple facets of His character and purpose are are going to show up and win the day, that regardless of the circumstances you face, Christ is victorious. That's what's revealed. That's the apocalypse of Jesus Christ. Redefine what it is you think that you're reading. It's the peeling back of the curtain, not a scary movie. When John wrote this letter um, in the power of the Spirit, Christians had a reason to be nervous. There was a really violent Caesar Lots of wars and rumors of wars, economic failure and downturn. There was a lot that was going on, both in personal lives and in history. And here's the thing that Revelation seems to say. Things are not only as they seem. It's easy to watch the news, listen to NPR, get your feed on your iPad or whatever it is, and, and you have this sense of panic. And the world's getting smaller, and it's getting scary, 
You're not sure how you fit in or what it's going to be like for, for you as you get older or for your children or for your grandchildren. And you, you get a little agitated, but friends, redefine the word apocalypse. Things are not only as they seem. The multifaceted imagery of Jesus Christ lets us know that he's firmly in control. So as we read the Revelation, if you're unsure, go back to the beginning. Redefine what you're reading as, a, as something that is peeling back the veil and, and not, a, not a scary movie. And finally, or third, there's one more after this, go spiral. Go spiral. You have to learn a sort of a different way to, to read the book of Revelation than we're accustomed to. See, we want to read things, and, and we've been taught to read, and we generally do read in this order where it's like, well, this happens, and then this happens, and then this happens, and it feels very orderly in sort of a chronological sort of a way. But that's actually not the way that the um, Revelation is being presented to us. It's actually a, a series of images, one after the other. So the question is, what's the order, but what is he showing us? What are we supposed to learn and understand and see in this, in this next section? And what we see in this weird drama that, that John is shown and then gives to us is lots of characters, lots of changes of costume. Jesus goes from lamb to soldier to alpha and the omega. And it kind of goes like this. There is an end target. But it's like a, a spiral staircase. Read it like that. He comes to a theme, and just when you think it's done, he comes back to it in a slightly different way, and you get a slightly different sort of view. It's recursive. It's, um, I wish I was better at social media. I feel convicted that I'm not. Um... But I want you to imagine it's sort of like surveying through, in random order, someone's Instagram pictures. And they all tell a different kind of a story. Something's going on there. There's a different image here, a different image here, different image here. But you know what? They're all about the same person. And that's what I want you to know as we read Revelation. It's not a linear story. It's a recursive story, consistently, regularly, about the same person. And as you read Revelation, don't read it like a newspaper. Read it on its own terms. Where it keeps coming back to these themes and showing them to us in a different way and with a different purpose and with a different set of imagery. But for all that, it's not, a, it's not sort of like this never-ending circle. It does actually have an end. So that's the last thing I want to say to you. Read this like it completes the story. Read Revelation like it's seeking to complete the story of the, the victory of Jesus Christ. At the very beginning of this school year, we started working our way through the narrative of the Bible. And we started, logically enough, with the first couple of chapters in the book of Genesis. And in the book of Genesis, what we discover is 
um, that God is so eager to be in relationship and to be intimate and connected with human beings that he, he makes a garden. And he says, I want you to take this beginning stuff and, and I want you to protect it and curate it and create with it. And I want to be part of it. Well, that story lasts about two chapters of the Bible until the then the story of the Bible becomes a rescue story. What God had intended was this, this, uh, this intimacy where we would build and delight in being together and His creativity would echo our creativity and we'd build something and a whole community together and instead became a story of rescue and of incarnation and of Christ saying, I will now come to repair your hearts and live and dwell within you. And then we get all the way through the rest of the story in the book of Acts and us, we're part of that story of the church continuing. And we get all the way through the Revelation and we get to chapter 19 and it, and it ends with a lake of fire and judgment. And we're like, that, that, is that the end? Oftentimes we end there. What's interesting next actually is, is we're shown a marriage and a structure. God seems still very interested and invested in building something where we can be intimately part of an ongoing story with Him. And the last two chapters of the book of Revelation, the, the last two chapters of the Bible, contain this promise that God is bringing the city of God. He's bringing this place of extraordinary intimacy and connection and, and closeness. And God's people are going to bring all their gifts, all the things they've curated and created, they're going to they're bring it to Him in this huge, ginormous, exquisite city. It's, it is beyond our ability to imagine what the city is actually like. It's roughly 1,300 miles across, 1,300 miles long, and 1,300 miles high. Now, that's ridiculous dimensions. But the image is supposed to say something to us about the completeness and magnitude and promise of the trajectory of God's story. He's bringing a city. He's, he started with a seed, and he's bringing an entire city. He started with two, he's building a community. Do you know what's right in the middle of both the um, garden and the city, the coming city of God? The tree of life. What he promises, he has always intended. This city's coming. What needs to happen? What needs to unfold? What are the things that God needs still to, to do for this victory to take full and deep root in the, in the story of all creation? That, friends, is the story of Revelation. Before the city of God will come, he, he peels back the veil and says, these are the kinds of things that must still come to pass. 
before we get to dwell again with him in the presence of the tree of life and the, the river that runs right down the street and the leaves of the trees are for the healings of the nations, before all that doesn't come to pass, and it will, he must finally and fully defeat that which is now simply only held at bay. And that's what the Revelation shows us. Not in a predictive way, but in an imaged way. Not in a timeline sort of a way, but in a covenant sort of way. This is what Jesus is doing. And we're going to spend the next several weeks looking at these images piece by piece in relatively quick format to seek to understand better how we can come to this. Did you know you could summarize the Bible in three words? Seed, two, city. That's the whole story. And he wants you to be part of it. Don't miss the sign. Lord, we thank you for the beauty of your word how it unfolds for us in ways we could never imagine, how it shows things for us that um, are deep and mysterious and beautiful and true. And as we leave this place in just a couple moments, Lord, and we go back out into the world, would you, would you keep the curtain open to our hearts at least, that we might grow in confidence and boldness as we seek to follow you? And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.